evening and welcome to the Marriage Reform Prayer Call. My name is Kim Moore and I am so excited that you are here with us tonight. Uh, Wow, wow, so much going on in our nation and um, I tell you what, it's affecting us all at some level and to some degree and so we certainly want to keep that in mind. And you know, one of the... um, one of the things that we continue to express, and as we move into becoming relationship game changers, many of you have said, uh, many of you have said different times, messaged me, uh, even on, on Facebook, have indicated that even though many of the things I talk about are relative to marriage, they are really applicable to any relationship. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that because that's the kingdom. One of the ways you know you're hearing a kingdom message is that it is applicable to everyone, everywhere, gender, it transcends age, it transcends economics, Uh, it just applies and is applicable to everyone, and that's how you know that you are hearing a kingdom message. And so um, I thank God that he has made us relevant uh, in this hour to the different things that are going on and that what we're saying and what we're praying here can easily be transferable and extend to what's happening in our nation. And so I'm really happy about uh, the, the assignment that God has given us and really the direction he's taking us. You know, as you know, my heart is always for marriage and, and marriage, but also just relationships because we need some relationship game changers. And so we are, want to be in a place and in a space where we're able to address these different things that are happening in marriage and in our relationships. And so I thank you for being a part. If this is your first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, The format uh, that we follow, generally there are some announcements, uh, there's prayer, then we share a little bit from the word, and then we pray again. And tonight, the first uh, Wednesday of every month, we take questions. So if you have a question, uh, we want to hear it. And so at the end, we'll open up the line. You can ask a question. If you're not comfortable asking the question out loud, you can text Amy at 678-758-754-0867. Again, 678-754-0867. And you can express your question there, and we will answer it uh, here. And so that's what we do the first Monday, uh, the first Wednesday of every month. We get my days mixed up. We do that the first Wednesday. Why? Because one of the ways we learn and grasp information is to ask questions. And so part of the the way that we grasp and, and understand what we're getting from each other is by having opportunities to ask our questions. And so I want you to have that opportunity, and that's what uh, the first Wednesday is about. And just one other thing as we move out, you've heard me talk about relationship game changers. And just for those of you that are new on the line, 
Basically, it is a success path to changing any relationship for the better. It's based on kingdom principles. And again, those principles apply to every individual, every group, every marriage, every family, every community, every church, and even our nation. And so it's a success path to be able to experience the freedom and power of God in the relationships uh, that matter to us most and the relationships that God has given us to influence. And so, you know, part of relationship game changes, and I hope you'll consider becoming a member as we roll this out. We're going to learn and grow together. We're going to do challenges and create opportunities for you to take action and to see the manifestation of what we're talking about here. And then there'll be some monthly teaching and with examples and a private Facebook group where we'll do some interviews with real-life people who are changing the nature, changing the game in their relationship. And so uh, you'll also have access to my blog. So that's the direction we're going. Stay tuned. My team is rolling some of that out behind the scenes, but I want to keep it forefront in your mind because that is the direction that we are going. We are relationship game changers. And if you are a born-again Christian, God intends for you to be a relationship game changer. That's how the kingdom will become manifest on the earth as God has some relationship game changers on the ground. Well, Jumping for Joy, the other announcement, we are continuing with Jumping for Joy. As many of you know, we were in Tennessee. Uh, Now it is was it last week, maybe a couple weeks ago? Um, But we were in Tennessee. We had a great time. We had people on the ground. We had people on Zoom. And I tell you what, the connection between the people uh, was amazing. And nothing was lost through the technology. Um, Everyone said that they felt this, this connection with each other as we prayed together for a stake in Tennessee, to seed the state of Tennessee with the ground, uh, with the seed of kingdom marriage. And so we're scheduled to go to Maryland, Washington, and D.C. in the month of June. I was just talking to Pam, who I understand is en route back to her home in Maryland, and so we bless her and thank God for traveling mercy. Uh, She just let me know, and and we're looking at this thing because all that is going on in the cities and just trying to understand the most opportune time to stand on the state house uh, steps, the Capitol, and declare kingdom marriage. So stay tuned for that. If you're not on my mailing list, please go to uh, get on my mailing list. Um, You can go to moreonrelationships.com. Or you can just email me at Kim at More on Relationships, and we'll make sure that you are plugged in. Well, tonight I want to pray, and then we'll just jump into it. I believe that God has given me something to share, and um, we're going to take a few minutes to do that, and then we're going to pray. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Father God, that you are still King, Lord God of this universe. I thank you that nothing that is happening in this nation, around the world, in our own homes, and in our marriages have caught you by surprise. You are unmoved, God, and yet you are always moving. And, Lord, I just thank you and I pray today that those that are heavy laden, God, that you, they would come unto you and that you would give them rest, God. 
that we would learn, take your yoke upon us and learn from you because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so we pray, Father God, for the yoke that is easy and the burden that is light. We speak peace, God, in the chaos of this nation. We thank you that your justice is coming forth in victory. We thank you and we praise you, Father God, and we bless you that you are rightly aligning things with yourself. And, Lord, that the church, Lord, is first to line up with you. So we just thank you, Father, that those of us that profess Christ, Lord, are lining up with you individually and collectively that your glory might be made manifest in this earth. Now, bless the word that is spoken here tonight. Watch over your word and perform it. Show forth your faithfulness, God, as we speak your word. For you said that your word does not go out void, but it accomplishes what you set it out to accomplish and prospers into the thing that you have sent. And so we bless you tonight, and I bless the ears that hear by way of live or by way of replay, that you would open the ears, unstop them, God. And, Lord, we just thank you, Father God, that the mute, God, that the deaf, Lord, that you would open their ears. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise God. You know, I was thinking about marriages, and I think about, you know, clients that I've counseled and coached, I think about what's going on in this nation, and I'm like, Lord, what is the one thing we all want? Now, I know the general answer to that generally is love. But if we could just unpack that just for a moment and suggest to you that I believe the one thing that every one of us wants, every man, every woman, every husband, every wife, every child, every mother, every sister, every brother, every Jew, every Gentile, every black, every white, uh, we all want to be heard and understood. It is painful when you go unheard and you are misunderstood. I remember that in my own life where I, I just wanted to be heard. And it's interesting to me uh, that I pick a profession or that God brings me into a profession and a ministry capacity to be heard. Now, my deepest desires and my deepest pain was not feeling heard growing up, which is not to say that the important people in my life didn't hear me. I just didn't experience the hearing. So something got um, uh, mistranslated by the time it got to me. So this is not about um, my parents didn't listen to me. That's not what I'm saying. Something got lost in the translation so that I didn't feel heard or understood growing up. And uh, I believe both divine and natural, I picked fields that were naturally built into that being heard. One of them was a trainer. One of them was a consultant going across the state of North Carolina working with, with companies that serve people with developmental disabilities. And I would go in and listen to what the staff or sometimes I would be working with a family, what the challenge was 
But at the end of the day, I was giving my opinion or my thought or my recommendation, and people implemented it. So I had the experience of being heard, understood, and someone acting on what they understood. That's an extremely powerful experience. And then as a trainer, you know, I would, I would speak uh, to, to uh, employees, and we would do training. Now, when you're a trainer, you have a captive audience. So people were listening, and they had to pass certain skill sets, and so therefore the proof that they were listening and the experience that I had of being heard and understood was the test grades. And so, again, a very powerful experience of speaking and making myself understood, people hearing and then understanding me and then responding to what they understood. Powerful experiences. But then as uh, I grew in the Lord, I gave up. And I guess all of us still had the need to be heard, but something switched in me. And now I had a desire to speak, not simply because I wanted to be heard, but because something needed to be said, and I believe God has given me revelation and the ability to speak it in the hearing and in the language that people can understand it and put it to practice in their life. But still, like you, I have a need and a desire. It's built into me. God wants to be heard. He wants us to choose to listen to him. And so we were created, built into us, was the desire to be heard and understood. And one of the most painful things for people to go through life is not to be heard and not to be understood. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt in your marriage that your spouse just doesn't hear you, that they just don't understand you, that they just don't get it, so you stop showing up, you stop offering, because it's clear to you they don't hear you or they don't understand you. And whether that's a function of choice or whether that's just a function of uh, inability, the experience is the same for you. It's painful. You're not heard and you're understood. And I believe that in this hour, in marriage, if we are going to move, um, if we are going to move uh, to a different place, a different quality of relationships, whether we're talking about marriage, whether we're talking about with your children, whether we're talking about your friends, whether we're talking about uh, 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 between the races, Whatever relationship, if we're going to become a change agent in those relationships, we will have to develop the skill of listening to understand. See, we want to hear and be understood, but the question is, do we offer that gift to someone else? And I'm going to ask you some questions at the end of this uh, so that you can gauge and evaluate for yourself where you are on the continuum of being a good listener and perhaps some questions that will help you become a better listener. But before I do that, I always like to give scripture. And the reason I do is because there is so many there's so many words, there's so many voices. Some of them are talking heads, some of them are just full of opinion. But here's what I believe. If I show you where 
We are in the scripture. If you can grasp and, and, and write that scripture down, then when I'm gone, you can go back to those scriptures and God will pair our conversation tonight with those scriptures. And he or he won't because he has the ability to confirm his own word. And I believe in this hour that whatever we hear from whomever we hear it, we have a responsibility to take those words back to God and see what thus say he to us. That's part of being, uh, that's part of our freedom, and that's part of our right, that's part of our responsibility as kingdom citizens to hear the king for ourselves. And we do that when we hear something and we take it back to the king. You know, what comes to mind is the illustration of Abraham, a very visual illustration. And this is, I just want to give you this illustration, then I want to give you these scriptures. But the illustration that just came to my mind was Abraham. God gave uh, Isaac to Abraham supernaturally. And yet God asked for Abraham to give Isaac back, to place him on the altar. And I believe there's several reasons that God asked him to place Isaac on the altar, and that's a whole other teaching. The point that I want you to understand is that it came from Isaac, came from God, and yet God summoned Abraham to give Isaac back to him. And at the end, we understand that God gave Isaac back to Abraham. So there was a relationship dynamic there, and something happened. There was a change that took place in that process. And so when you take what I'm saying tonight or anybody that speaks to you, regardless of the title they have, because there are self-appointed people that are using Scripture that may not be of God. The Bible says Satan appears as an angel of light. So you and my responsibility, as he asked Abram, Abraham to give Isaac back to God, give this word back to God, and see if God gives it back to you. And whatever he gives back to you, you can assure it came from him in Jesus' name. So let me just give you some scriptures uh, so that we can be in the same place. Um, and again, you know, your questions, if you have questions, please, you can uh, wait till we open up the line, or you can text your questions to Amy. She is standing by at, uh, at uh, oh my gosh, 678, <laughs> 678-754-0867, and Amy is the voice you always hear at the beginning. So if you feel more comfortable, go ahead and text those questions to her. Matthew 13, 15, and 16. The prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Wow, what 
what what a verse, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. So there is a response when we truly hear something or say we hear something from God. And when we turn, God will respond by healing them. doesn't say anything about laying on of hands. It didn't say anything about praying and fasting. It says if we will see with our eyes, hear with our ears, and understand with our heart, that is, take it into our heart by faith. That's how we receive anything, and turn, then God would heal them. Wow. One of the things that happens in our marriages and the relationships that matter to us, most parent-child, or even what's going on in this nation right now, we are not seeing with our eyes, we are not hearing with our ears, and we are not understanding with our hearts. So we are unable to turn, and God is unable to heal. Let me give you another scripture. Mark 8, and this is uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples about the Pharisees. And he says this in verse, uh, I believe it's 15. They charged them, that is the disciples saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have no bread. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments you took up? In essence, what Jesus was saying to them is that you are thinking and looking at this from a natural perspective when you say, we don't have any bread. And Jesus is saying, you're looking at this thing wrong. You are hearing this thing wrong. And he says it and he proves it to them by referring to them that the miracle that he performed without, uh, without this natural condition in taking the two loaves uh, of the five loaves and feeding the 5,000. So it's more. Hey guys, um, technical difficulties. Kim is jumping back on right now, and so she should be back on in just a moment. Awesome. Uh, are you able to hear me now, Amy? Yes. Hello? Yes. Well, yes. the phone just dropped, guys. In Jesus' name, we thank you. And Lord, we just commit this airway to you and this technology to you. And so in Mark 8, Jesus was helping the disciples to see it is more to this thing than what you see with your natural eyes. And so often in our marriages and our relationships, it's so much more to it 
than what we see with our natural eyes. And when we are unable to see and hear our spouse or others beyond what they're presenting to us, oftentimes we miss the real message or even the real intention uh, and heart behind what they're saying. And it's so important for us to be able to hear the heart of people because you can't change a heart unless you're able to speak to a heart, and you can't speak to a heart unless you're able to hear a heart. And so it's so important, this whole idea of listening. Acts 28, 25 through 27, verse 25. So when they did not agree among themselves, Wow, how many times have husbands and wives not agreed? How many times have you not agreed with your children? How many times have you not agreed in your church? How many times have you not agreed at your job? How many times? We are in a major disagreement in this nation. And, 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 and the writer is saying here, Paul is saying here, so when they did not agree among themselves, they departed. And after departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet. So after they couldn't agree, and this is what Paul's response to their not agreeing. He, he quotes the prophet in Isaiah in verse 26 saying, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. Verse 27, for the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. We often think that when people don't see, it's because the, uh, the enemy has put a veil over their eyes. And that is one reason the scripture says people don't see. But another reason people don't see is because they have chosen to close their eyes. They have chosen not to be a lover of truth. It goes on to say they have closed their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their heart and turn so that I should heal them. Again, he is quoting Jesus. And he's saying that if we will hear, if we will make a decision to hear, that if we will make a decision to see, and that if we will make a decision to understand with our heart, not with our head, not by reasoning the facts, but if we will make a decision to understand by faith with our heart, and as a result, or respond by turning, then God would heal us. You know, so much, as I've said, is going on in our nation. And now more than ever, we need people, relationship game changers, that will hear, that will see and understand, that will hear, and that will understand with their hearts and turn to God that he may heal us. And we can participate with God in that because he said that he who sanctifies, speaking of Jesus, and the one being sanctified are the same. James 1.19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
We know that doesn't happen in many marriages. As soon as we get triggered, and all of us have triggers, as soon as we get triggered, we have strong emotion, we become angry. Some of us just fly off the handle. I've heard it said if it's coming up, it's coming out. And so we just, just say things that we'll later regret, regret. And yet James is saying here that we ought to be quick to listen. And so that requires a degree of self-control that I think I should speak for myself, that I know that I have need of growing in is exercising self-control when it comes to holding my peace at certain times. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times to speak, but there are also times that we ought to hold our peace. There are times, and I tell you what, the more you speak, the more you speak, you cheapen your words. And by that I mean if people have a whole lot of it, and at some point, the Bible says, in the multitude of words, there's sin. And so if we keep on speaking uh, from a, a place of, of uh, emotion or whatever have you, at some point, we are going to diminish our credibility. Because, it's, it, because at some point, our emotions and all of that are going to figure into it. It happens often in marriage. It happens often with our kids. It happens often with our friends. I remember just speaking to Amy, and we were talking about some work stuff, you know, before we got on the call. And I, I felt myself rise, and I heard the tone in my voice. And, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. But fortunately, we have the kind of relationship where I could go and say, hey, you know, forgive me or please forgive me or, or are we okay? And I remember her response was, look, not, this is the, nothing will rise above the relationship, the partnership that God has given us to do the work that he's called us to do. And so, you know, checking in and checking back and circling back is real important, particularly when we blow it and we blow it. I just want to minimize the number of times I blow it. Luke eleven twenty eight says this. He replied, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now, how can we learn to hear the word of God and hear God, excuse me, if we can't hear those sitting right next to us? Wow. So many of us profess to be able to hear God, and we can't even hear the people right in our own homes. We can't even hear our spouse. First John 5.14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So hearing is a kingdom virtue that is applicable to everyone that names the name of Jesus Christ. We have to listen better. When we listen better, we can respond better. And sometimes we respond wrong because we have listened wrong, we've heard wrong, and it's just so full of stuff that we just don't respond well. And I know there there are many of you on the line and those that might be hearing that you haven't responded well. And you know what? 
that really is okay. That's what we're here for, to have a space and the place to learn and grow, to recognize, hey, I need to become a better listener. If I'm going to be a game changer, if I'm going to be a relationship game changer, if I'm going to influence those relationships that God has called and qualified me for, hey, I've got to become a better listener. I've got to become a better listener with those in my own home. And, you know, Jeremiah twenty nine twelve says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. So Jesus and the Father, Daddy God, they practice. That's what I love about God. He practices what he preaches. He practices. He, he digests for himself. He binds himself to his own word. And so when we listen well, we have this grace to bind ourselves to our own word because we won't speak rashly and just promise things and make promises that we have no intention of fulfilling. Listen, guys, it happens all the time. We're in a conversation with somebody, and before we know it, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. And then we go away and have some kind of remorse because we recognize we've overcommitted ourselves because we didn't take time, one, to listen what was really being asked of us because if we really listened, then we would have what would have been in that conversation was the time commitment involved and whether it even was consistent with the things that God was having us to do at this hour in our life. All of those would have been in play if we would have listened differently. And so sometimes we have to go back and ask people to release us from our work. I want to get to the place, and I've done that a number of times, but I want to get to the place people won't have to release me from my word because I'm more careful with my word and what I promise and what I say I can do. Psalm 116, 1, through two, 1 and 2 says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. Oh, my gosh. God hears our voice. You and I, the, the, the fact that God hears our voice and wants to hear our voice, isn't it amazing to you that God never gets us mixed up? He never gets the languages mixed up. He never gets the people mixed up. I, I can't even get my mind around how he never confuses a conversation. He remembers every detail of every conversation you had with him and doesn't get it mixed up with the conversations I've had with him. That is an exceptional listener. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That we might become exceptional listeners that we can become even, even better relationship game changers. It says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he tur- turned his ear to me, I will call upon him as long as I live. That's why we go to God. We would not go to God unless we believe he heard us. The Bible says he who comes to me must believe that he is and that he is the reward or the answer of him who did diligently seeks him. There would be no reason to seek God if he didn't, if we believe he was not going to hear us. And in fact, some people have departed the faith because they have not had the experience of God hearing them. It's such a powerful thing to hear and to be heard. And the, one of the ways that we get that, to that place is to become better listeners and hearing and understanding what people are saying to us. A couple more scriptures, and then I want to pray. Psalm 18:6. In my distress, I call to the Lord. 
I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry became before him into his ears. Listen, if you're a parent, and particularly if you're a mother, and you have more than one child, you can distinguish the cries of your children. You can distinguish which one is crying. But you can also distinguish the nature of that cry. You know when your child is sending out a true cry of distress versus not. I can also tell you when you know somebody, uh, when you know somebody's heart, you are able to distinguish when they are speaking to you from the spirit versus when they're speaking to you from their humanity. If anybody is qualified to, uh, to, to, to render a verdict, and, and, and listen, anybody can do this by the spirit. So I'm not saying you have to be this close to a person to distinguish, because if God can speak to you by the spirit and distinguish his spirit in a person that is speaking, because the, the Bible says words are spiritual, and words being spiritual, they either are outsourced from the king himself, that is Jesus Christ, or they are outsourced from the adversary. Those are, they, they fall into one of those two baskets. What I am saying, though, in marriage and in covenant relationships and in relationships where you are earnestly desiring to hear, but in particularly those very close relationships, the people around you are able to distinguish when you're talking from your head and when you're talking from your heart. So Amy travels with me. She hears me speak uh, in ministry. She hears me motivational speak. She, 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 hears, she hears me in different scenarios. But she also has a personal relationship and, and so she's able to quite well distinguish, no, mm-mm, Sorry, that, that was you. Doesn't mean it was wrong, but it's just not the spirit. It could just be my opinion. It could just be a good idea. But because she understands and God has given her to know my heart at, at, to a degree, um, because only God knows your heart fully and completely, but because God has given her the ability and the grace to know my heart and care for my heart, she has the ability to discern in ways that people are not close to me. And the same is true for the people in your life. Your husband, your wife, they can distinguish. You can tell when your spouse is speaking to you from a heart, from, from, from the heart, from a place of vulnerability, from a place of, of spirit and a place of vulnerability. You can tell. You, some of you can smell a lie five miles out. Before your spouse gets the third word out, you already know. How can you do that? You can do that because you know and have been able to distinguish and discern the spirit of a man or a woman from the humanity or the flesh of a man or a woman. And all those things are important being a relationship game changer because we deal with spiritual matters different than we deal with natural matters. That's another day. Just wanted to throw that in. Here's another scripture, Proverbs 4, 20 and 21. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them be out of your sight, but keep them within your heart. So one of the ways we listen is by paying attention, by turning in to what someone is saying. 
by holding on. It says, don't let them out of your sight, which means we, words create pictures for us. And so when someone is speaking to you, it happens all the time. I'm speaking and have been speaking for a few minutes. And for some of you, pictures or a situation has come to your mind that causes these words to either resonate with you or causes you to, to dismiss these words. But you'll get word pictures. That's part of your ability to be able to hold on to what is being said to you. One of the reasons Jesus spoke in the parables, well, one of the reasons is because they hear, they had ears and didn't hear, because they had eyes and couldn't see, and because they had hearts and couldn't understand. But one of the other reasons I believe he spoke in parables because he left people with pictures. He wanted people to see and to be able to carry with them and embrace with them a picture of what he was talking about. And when your spouse or when another person speaks to you, Look for the picture that arises. It just happened to me. Remember earlier on I was speaking, and I was speaking about, listen, when somebody gives you a word or, or someone is speaking, no matter who they are, listen. And what happened is the picture came to me of Abraham and Isaac and God giving uh, Isaac to Abraham and then asking Abraham for Isaac before returning Isaac back to him. The Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters, and after many days, you'll find it. That's another reference to giving to God what has been given to you, not just with your money, not just with your time, but the words that are spoken to you. And that's why we have to be careful, but really how much we listen to and really who we listen to, really, really important in developing your listening skills. And then Malachi 2.2, if you do not listen, and if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessing. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not resolved to honor me. And the only point that I want to make here, um, because there are implications for that scripture in the New Testament, but the point that I really want to make here is this that listening is one of the ways we honor a person. Oh, my gosh. One of the ways we honor people is by listening to them. And so you can evaluate your degree of honor for a person by how well you are willing to listen to a person. And just because you're not listening to a person is not mean. I'm not saying it also means you're dishonoring them because there's some people that God wouldn't have you to listen to. And it's not, a, it's not a dishonor or a disrespect. It's just not who God would have you to listen to. But listening is an indication of your willingness and of your honor and your regard for a particular person. So what I want to do is give you some questions to see for you to evaluate for yourself because I, you know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ set us free and the hallmark of being a relationship game changer is your freedom, that you are free to think and decide and act for yourself. So I never want to be in a place where to say you should, you must, you have to because to me those words indicate laws. And I am not your lawgiver. I am simply a facilitator of the Holy Spirit hosting his presence so that you can hear and take these things back to God and decide for yourself 
and let him work his will and good pleasure in you. For he says in Philippians 2.13 that he is in us, giving us the desire to do what pleases him. And so he sets us free so that we can take part with him in areas that we need to grow in. So I'm going to give you 10 uh, let's see how many of these things are are here. You know, I give a lot of qu- a lot of things. Let me just see how many. Uh, there are, I think, I have thirteen questions that I'm going to ask you for you to evaluate how good of a listener you are, where you are on the continuum, and what God is saying to you about developing your listening skills. Here we go. The first question: Do you feel the need to? Fill quiet spaces. In other words, when there is a pause in the conversation, is it so uncomfortable to you that you have to make conversation versus sit with the discomfort? Number two, do you maintain eye contact when face-to-face speaking to someone? Number three, do you finish sentences for the other person? Do you interrupt? Or do you let them finish their point? Number four, do you defend yourself? Do you come out the gate defending yourself as soon as you're confronted? Or do you take the time to try and understand what the concern or what the offense is? Do you defend yourself when you're confronted or ask a question that involves your heart, your motives, or possibly even Somebody misunderstanding you. Do you have the need to prove yourself? Number five, do you paraphrase what you hear and add your spin so it fits your narrative? Another way to say that is do you use somebody else's dime? Do you use their, their conversation to establish your position and your point? Number six, do you listen by thinking about your response. Do you listen while thinking about your response, how you're going to come back, how you're going to overcome the objection, how you're going to prove your point? Do you listen to other people thinking about what you will say to them in response? Do you empathize with others when they express pain, or do you try to fix it? Are you, in other words, are you comfortable with somebody else's pain? Are you comfortable being in the room with someone else's pain? And I can tell you this about pain. If you are not allowing the Lord to process your pain with you, you are unlikely to want to be in the room with someone else processing their pain. It's very uncomfortable when you're not processing your own pain. Number eight, do you admit when you are wrong in a conversation? Do you admit when you're wrong? Or do you have to be right in every conversation? Does it always have to end your way when you are conversing with other people? Do you get mad? Do you get mad when people think differently from you? Do you condemn them? Do you call them names? Do you call them crazy just because they don't agree with you? And just because they don't agree with you, does that make them bad, mean? 
Do you condemn them or hold contempt when people don't agree with you? Number 10, do you multitask when someone is talking to you? Are you on your phone? Are you doing other things? Number 11, do you listen with an open mind or do you listen with a position already in mind? One of the most beautiful things about Jesus to me is he knew who he was. He was solid in his identification with God, with his father. You know, he was so secure in who he was that he could go with you where you are without having to remind you of his position, be with you where you are long enough to bring you to a new place of understanding. He did it with the woman at the well. He did it every time he performed a miracle. Some responded and some didn't. But he knew who he was. Do you know who you are very clearly and confidently that you can leave your post because who you are is not about your post. It's, about, it's within you. It's who you are. Wherever you go, there you are. And therefore, you are free enough to create the space for somebody else to hear them without judging them, but being able and available to hear and listen with an open mind, not assuming that your position, your way, or your idea is right. The word of God is true. It does not need defending. It is. God confirms his own word. He's his own witness and can establish witnesses. Number 12, do you ask questions to gain better understanding? I find that people don't ask a lot of questions. Most of the time, they're really not interested in understanding. They want to hurry up and get to the part of the conversation that they can talk about themselves. I I joke with Amy sometimes because I go out to eat with people, um, and, and and sometimes Amy's with me, and and, and it's happened to her, and I just watch. And I will ask tons of questions with whoever I go out with. Why? Because I want to learn about them. Or I'm quiet. If it's a group, then a lot of times I'll be quiet and just listen. But if it's a situation where it's one-on-one, I'm going to ask questions. And I'm going to ask questions because I want to understand. But what I find is most people in those situations, I'm talking about people in high places and in people in low places, very few people ask questions of the people they're with. And to me, it's interesting because I know who I am. I know what I think. What I don't know is who you are and what you think. And so if I'm going to become a relationship game changer, then I've got to be more interested in what you think and trying to understand, trying to ask the kind of questions that will help me understand where you are and be willing to hear the truth even when it grates against what I believe to be true. And then the last question, do you pay attention uh, to not only to what is being said, but what is not being said, to body language? Because all of these things also add information that will help you understand where a person is coming from. Now, I'll have to be honest with you. I, I I like to believe I'm a good listener, but when I answer these questions for myself, my gosh, I can find a situation, and I'm not talking about 10 years ago. I can find a situation recently where I have not been a good listener because one of these things 
these indicators was apparent in the conversation. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Wow, just, just think about that. And I'm a relationship game changer, and my guess is you are too. I wonder how many of these you've tripped over in your last conversation with your spouse, with your kids. You know, what kids have to say are very important. It's not a, you know, your kids get to a place where you are not their teacher. They must choose you to be a teacher. There is a, there's a space and time where our kids are sponges, but then our kids grow up, and we are one of voices that they may or may not listen to. And so we have to earn the right to even sometimes be heard by our kids. Wow. It's not card I blanche. People just don't give you an open book. People have to want to hear you, and people want to hear people who are first willing to listen to them. Oh, so many testimonies I could give you. One of the best listeners that I have, that I have known uh, is Amy, and I've known Amy over 20 years. As I've told you many times, she's been a spiritual daughter to me. She is a spiritual daughter to me, but she's also uh, a friend. She's family. Uh, she is a business partner, uh, labors with me in ministry, and she is one of the most profound listeners that I have never heard. And those of you who have ever had the, the experience of hearing her gift of listening, uh, if there was a way for you to high-five me, I know that you would high-five because when I travel to different places, one of the things that leaders will comment on is Amy's uh, ability and her sensitivity to listen. Incredible. So you would think I should be further along than I am. <laughs> I have access to the gift, and I'm telling you that I'm right here with you in it. I am growing. And so I want to pray for you, but I would encourage you over this, over this next week, just pay attention to some of the things I mentioned here and how well you're doing at listening. I promise you that if you become a better listener, you will become a better speaker. Because what listening does is enable you to respond and speak, not from a, a myoptic place, but in consideration of everything going on. A gentleman that I don't know just sent me an unsolicited uh, uh, compliment. And what he said is, you know, I've had to turn off listening to a whole lot of people. But I enjoy listening to you because you just have this range, this ability, basically, he was saying, to be able to hear different points of view and still be uh, focused uh, in, in your delivery. And that was such a high compliment to me, and I just really appreciate it, and yet I'm still learning, just like you guys. So for the next week, pay attention to how well you're listening to people because in your home, in your marriage, with your kids, and even with what's going on in our nation right now, we need better listeners. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. You gave the reasons in the scriptures we read for the reasons why people don't hear. 
You said that they're dull of hearing because their hearts are hard. And so, Father, tonight we repent of pride. We repent for thinking our way is right. We repent for thinking our understanding is the only understanding. We repent, God, for peddling our ideology, God. Lord, just holding others in contempt or condemning them. Lord, we just ask you to forgive us. You said that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Father, we repent personally on behalf of ourselves. We repent, God, because, Lord, when we don't listen well, we are unloving. Lord, that when we don't hear, we are unloving because when we don't hear, we're unable to respond as you would have us to respond. And so, Father, we repent. We turn to you tonight, God, and we ask you for the mind of Christ. We receive it by faith. We ask you for the ears of Christ, and we receive them by faith. We ask you for the eyes of Christ, and we receive them by faith. We receive the heart of Christ and we receive it by faith. We declare that we are lovers of the truth, God. And we thank you, Father God, that you can speak truth through a donkey, God. So people don't have to agree with us. They don't have to be on our side. They don't have to believe what we believe in order for you to speak truth through them. So if you can speak through a donkey, God, surely you can speak to someone that doesn't agree with us. And so give us hearing ears tonight that we can hear truth that transcends, Lord, our gender, that transcends denomination, that transcends our race, that transcends every relationship that you have given us to influence. Our desire is to become relationship game changers. And, Lord, we declare tonight we will be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Lord, we thank you, and we ask you to consecrate us again. We ask you, Father God, to make us a space, a safe space, a safe place that others can come and be heard and not judge God, that your truth would reign supreme, that your truth would go forth and set your people free for freedom's sake. Lord, I sense the glory and the power of God even in this room and even upon these words, God. So we release them in the confidence of your spirit, knowing that it's not by power nor by might, but it is by your spirit. And so we thank you tonight, God, for sanctioning these words, for unleashing them in the heart of your people. Lord, for seeding them, God, and watering them, God. Now, Father God, everything that's come from your throne, from your king to this people tonight, whether they're hearing live or by replay, God, I pray that you would cause them to stick to their hearts like Velcro, God. Lord, I thank you that you would trouble them in their night season, in the dreams, God. Lord, then perfect this word in their hearts, oh God. Lord, I thank you for the spirit of self-control to come upon each one of us, God, that we would grow in self-control, that we would grow in patience, for surely these are fruits of the spirit. And you said that there's no limit how much patience we can have. There's no limit to how much self-control we can have. And there's no limit to how much forgiveness we can have. And so, Father God, we receive these things, and we declare this miracle thinking is at work in our lives. And because we are patient, Lord, we can hear. Because, Father God, we have self-control, we can now hear and listen like never before. Because we 
we have, Lord, forgiveness in our heart, God, we can create the space, a safe place, God, for others to speak and say, God, and, Lord, not become offended, Lord, to the point where we become angry, God, and diminished in our credibility, Lord, to represent you and your kingdom. Father, I thank you, and I release this miracle upon this line tonight and declare your glory has come to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And, Amy, before we take questions, for those of you that are on social media, on Friday, we will be having a conversation about what's happening in our nation. As many of you know, we do a Fearless Friday every week, and we encourage people to face their fear, to fulfill their dreams. And so this Friday, we will have a bonus edition. It will be Friday, 8 p.m. on my Facebook page, Kim Moore Ministries, and we are inviting you. We want to practice being good listeners, and um, I want to create that space and model that the best I can. And um, you'll probably catch some foopas for me, too, as you look at this list. But we want to practice being good listeners and try to understand what people are saying. John Natalie will be on that call with me, on Facebook with me. And then uh, Trey uh, Douglas, who is a millennial, he is a, uh, uh, he's in, in politics and works with one of the campaigns in his local, in Gwinnett County. He is also a grassroots operator. So we'll have the benefit he, of his perspective. Um, as a black young male, we will also have Beth Sexton. She was an ex-probation officer. She is also uh, has biracial grandkids, and I, too, will be on there. As many of you know, my son-in-law happens to be white. My grandkids are biracial. So I am listening and trying to understand this thing from both sides, and I want you to join Amy and I, all you need to do is to go to Facebook, Kim Moore Ministries, and be there at 8 p.m. on uh, Friday night, Eastern Time. Invite, tag people to join us. If you know me, I'm not about drama. Uh, I'm not there to be an inflammatory voice, but a conciliatory voice, to be a relationship game changer, to create space for people to show up that we can learn and understand. And the last thing before we get to questions, you can hear the replay of this uh, on Spotify. Uh, you just download the app in the search bar. You just put um, uh, marriage reform with Kim Moore, and this will come up. It is uh, program number 103. Um, and then also I think we'll be posting this somewhere, uh, Amy tells me, because we are also recording it on Zoom. And so that's all I got, Amy. If you want to come in, I'm going to uh, screen you in here and just um, let me know where you are, what okay. questions we have. <laughs> Sounds good. Can you go ahead and, and take your earphones out so that I can hear? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let me put you on speaker. We're doing this for the first time, guys. So you're watching us learn and grow all at the same time. Let's see. Okay. I'm on speaker now. Can you hear me? Let's see. You should be able to hear me. Let's see. Let's turn this up. Here we go. Your audio needs to be on. It is on speaker. Okay. All right. I can hear you. You can hear me. All right. Who do we have? All right. Well, our first call, our first question 
is came via text. Would you address Black Lives Matter and what would be a good response by people who are not black? That's a great question, and we'll take that on on Friday night at 8 p.m. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a loaded question. Um, it's, it's a little, yeah, a it's, a, it's a loaded question. Um, you know, when I think about anything that's going on in, uh, as relative to this nation and the, the vitriol and the, the, the chaos and the violence in our cities, when I look at any movement, I want to consider, one, the source of the movement. I also want to look at the philosophy of the movement. What is it that the movement believes? Because we are saying a lot of things, and then we lump them together under this mantra, Black Lives Matter, and we don't always know what we're signing up for. And so, you know, I found out some things about Black Lives Matter, and I don't know, um, I, I, I am always in support of lives, of black lives, and, 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 and the, the um, suffering that is being experienced by people who are black. I am black, so I am very sensitive and very concerned about that. I am also concerned about movements that, that, um, that challenge my particular beliefs. And so, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about more of that. But, again, I guess the general answer to that question, when you're evaluating something, when I'm evaluating something, I not only look at what is being said face value, as we said, and the scripture said tonight, the Pharisees were just looking at the bread. And Jesus said, no, don't just look at the bread. There's more to it than this. So look at the source. I'll also say follow the funding source. Who's funding it? who's authorizing it, and then also look at the philosophy of it, and then decide if it's something that you or I could support. Now, I have a a question for you on that. You had said tonight that um, we need to listen with our hearts. Yes. And so um, can can you answer that with regards to listening with our hearts? for someone who's, who's white and we have this Black Lives Matter out there and I feel like sometimes there's a hesitation um, being white. Like I know I want to support, lend my voice to the cause. And sometimes with the hesitation, I feel the, um, the pull. And so can you answer that with regards to what you had spoken about tonight, just listening with our heart? How does that look different from listening, um, just listening with my head and reasoning, like how, how does that apply? Well, a couple things. One, I've gotten, a, as many of you know, if you're on social media, I have been posting on my personal page, and I think um, Megan is putting it over on my Kimmore Ministries page, but I've been posting about this, and one of the responses, uh, I get private messages, and I've gotten private messages from people who are white. And one of the things that is a recurring concern or comment, they'll say this, I am afraid. I am afraid um, because I don't know what the response will be. I have also had people who say, you know, I'm really ignorant on this issue. I really don't understand all of the dynamics. I don't want to be insensitive, but I don't know how to show up and have this conversation um, because I'm afraid, too, because I don't know what to say, and I really don't know what helps or what doesn't help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I hear that. And so I would say that there are also 
folks who are black who share that concern because one of the challenges with this whole discussion, and I put it on my Facebook page, is that there is decidedly and understandably an evil spiritual component to what's happening in our nation and among blacks and whites. Mm-hmm. There is also an evil natural behavioral component in that people are being killed, and that is human. And so when you focus on exclusively on the spiritual component, you are accused of being insensitive to what's happening on the ground. And then when you just focus on what's happening on the ground and, um, you know, we lift the different people up that have died and they become our martyrs and our heroes and things like that, but but when we focus exclusively on the ground, uh, then we, we... we show and sometimes, in my opinion, reveal our spiritual naivety. And then within those two camps, there are also differing opinions. So how do you listen with your heart? One, you show up without an opinion. See, if I'm really going to listen to you, I have to be able to put my opinion, my thoughts aside because my opinion, my bias will affect my thoughts. So on Friday. Yes. Do I have an opinion? Do I have a bias? Yes, I do. But I want to, when I show up, I either want to represent that as my bias or I want to show that that bias is a side. But acting like we don't have a bias or we don't have a lean, I think in some ways it, it, it makes it difficult for people to hear us. So that's, that's kind of first how you show up. You've got to know what your bias is. You've got to know what you're bringing to the conversation. If you've not ever, as a white person, if you have never dealt with this whole race issue, if you don't have close friends that are different from you, um, you know, those are real good places to start. We each have to evaluate our own heart. The Bible says examine yourself. Lest the Lord examine you. And so this is a great time to examine our hearts. And so as we're showing up and desire to show up, I would encourage each one to examine your own heart. You know, there are people who I said, I don't know why we always have to deal with this race thing. And, you know, and we have to deal with it because people are hurt. People are getting hurt. People are dying. And so, you know, we have to deal with it because when one suffers, we all suffer. We have to deal with it. And I'll just say this about racism. I'm sure we'll go talk about it more on Friday night. Racism racism will never go away. So if we're looking, white or black, for this utopia that somehow America, there's going to be no more racism, then we are, we are sorely deceived. I mean, we need to change and look at laws, and, but laws don't change the heart. And racism is a heart problem. It's a spiritual problem. And so when we show up, we have to recognize what we can do at the level we can do it, and we can do it one-on-one. We can do it by having relationships, people in our inner circle who are different from us, for the purpose of learning and growing. That's how you learn how to listen from the heart. Show up. Be honest about your bias. Get some people in your life. You know, develop some relationships outside of your comfort zone with people who are black. You know, unfortunately, uh, in the black community, we tend to focus, you know, on and, and the media tends to portray people who are black, the, 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 the base aspect or the criminal aspect of black people. Well, there are a lot of other black folks doing a lot of great things. Develop some relationships with them. Find out who they are. How did they get to be where they are? 
And uh, I think we're all enriched by that. So, yeah, show up with your heart. Show up with your heart because you have examined your heart. Know where your biases are. You know, what did you learn about black people from the media, from your experiences in life? Those are the questions we have to begin to ask ourselves as we also ask other people questions. Okay. Thank you. That, I can't see you. Now you're cut off. Okay, <laughs> We're filming and at the same time answering. Um, yes. So let's star six. Star six, if you have a question, go ahead and star six, and we'll listen in. Let's see, and I'll check. Well, all righty, now don't all speak at once. <laughs> I thought that was really powerful, what you were sharing about listening with our heart. Mm-hmm. I don't think I thought about it like that. It's a skill set. It, it, it's a skill set. You can listen with your head and your heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wonder how many heart conversations people have in a given day versus how many head conversations. Because head conversations don't change people. Heart conversations do. Well, and I, I think I listen, you know, I listen with my heart when I'm in relationship and I'm listening to people. But applying it right now with everything going on, mm-hmm. um, I think what I've observed is most everyone's answering with their head. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, and, and we are. And as a result, the conversation is not moving forward because people are answering with their head and not with their heart. And see, in order to be able to answer or to listen with your heart, you have to be willing to hear what you don't want to hear, and that's key. When you're listening with your heart, you must be willing to hear what you don't want to hear. And most of us are unwilling to hear what we don't want to hear. So we find people that say what we want them to say. The Bible talks about that. You know, it talks about, you know, in the last days, you know, men will, and women will have itching ears. They won't be able to endorse sound doctrine. Why? Because sound doctrine challenges you at the gut level. It challenges you at the heart level. Jesus wants that. It's either in Jeremiah or Jesus said that he will offend the mind to get to the heart. He offends the mind. So Jesus was never after your mind. He was after your heart. And one of the ways he gets to your heart is to offend your mind. And so we are offended in this nation, and in some cases rightfully so. But it's not the mind that God is trying to get at. He's trying to get at what is in your heart, what is being revealed by what is happening in this nation as you're offended. Because mm-hmm. we're offended. Blacks are offended. Whites are offended. You know, mm-hmm. depending on what political party you're in, you're offended. And people are just offended. Him. And offenses are necessary because they reveal what's in our heart. So we're in a great time right now, Amy, where if people really wanted to see their heart, this, there's no better time to then see really what's operating in your heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wanted to piggyback on what you said, Kim. This is Patsy. Um, you know, even before this whole racial thing, even before this whole explosion, I have a few friends that, um, and you're absolutely right, um, I can tell by conversations there is a fence that's carried over, and every time there's an incident, it's like 
the injury is just, you know, it's like that thorn just keeps pressing into that offense. Uh, a, a, a prime example, uh, a dear friend of mine, uh, she's African-American, and, uh, you know, one of her sons, I mean, she has two adult sons, you know, in their 30s, but, you know, probably 10 years ago or maybe a little bit longer, um, you know, they've been stopped by the police, and, of course, um, you know, she felt it was unwarranted, and so, uh, you know, and some things were said, and so I know that that's been a carryover, and I know when I've tried to have conversations before, you know, she's adamant about it. And so, um, and not saying that there's times when police officers uh, maybe go overboard and, you know, uh, are suspicious of, of um, uh, young African-American males and not necessarily that, you know, they're doing any criminality. Um, and so there's, people that are already nervous because of just the climate and over, you know, and even with uh, President Obama during his administration and, you know, the, uh, just all of the, the horrific things that took place, that, you know, the racial things that took place that incited so much. And, you know, and so there's, my point is there's a fence. And so every time there's something that happens like this, something tragic, it's just like fuel on the fire. And so um, it is, and it's perpetuated, and that's precisely what the enemy wants to do. He wants to create and keep that thorn there. And so it's just fuel to the fire. So just adding to what you were saying about the offense. I, I absolutely agree with you um, on, on that. And, you know, how do we move beyond offense? We really have to do, deal with the heart of the thing. That is the only way to resolve an offense is to talk at the heart level. And unfortunately, even as Christians, we are not taught or trained to talk to people's hearts. We have a few set of scriptures, and we use these scriptures. And, but I, 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 know, I know folks that know the word of God, that, are, that teach, um, that, that love God, love the people of God but haven't examined their own heart, haven't processed their own heart. And so until we do that, we will not see the resolves on the level uh, in our personal relationships. And I think that's the key, our personal relationships. How many heart relationships do you have? And, Patsy, I know you're in a mixed marriage, so, you know, and I say that because so often when people share we want to uh, necessarily negate or affirm what they say based on who we perceive them to be. And so I think it's important in this conversation for the listeners to know that you are married to a man that is black. And so you are living and having an experience of a culture that's different than your own. And it doesn't get much, it doesn't get much more intimate than that. My, my uh, daughter is married to uh, a man that is white. I have biracial grandchildren, and it doesn't get much clearer that, than that. And I love my, my son-in-law. I mean, he, I mean there's no – I love him, period. Son-in-love, I, I just do. And, um, and he loves me. But we have an experience of cultures that, is, that are different. 
Um, and, I, and I think it's valuable what you say, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. One Any added questions? factor that, I, that really has grieved me, and, um, and of course I'm talking about primarily, I'm not even talking about people that are, you know, <laughs> un, you know that, not even, that are unbelievers or what have you. I'm talking about the people that I've been around that I've, you know, interacted with that are believers. And mm-hmm. what's yes. really, what's very, very disturbing to me is I've seen pastors that have allowed, I mean, postings of just despicable things, you know, pigs and, you know, bashing the police. You know, it's the same thing. You can't put a white, you know, one brush, one big stroke of a brush over African-Americans or any race. Similarly, you can't do that with the police. That's right. And so, uh, and, and, and I've seen where a pastor has allowed the kind of, you know, uh, this one guy happens to be an artist. And so he, you know, will do all these really, I mean, just really horrible uh, paintings, um, especially during that Michael Brown whole thing. Um, and, uh, you know, and, 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 and it's being posted. And obviously, I seriously doubt if the pastor has ever said anything to him because, you know, it's like you can see the interaction like, hey, pastor, you know, and I'm just saying, how can you allow that? But yeah. Yeah. if you have leadership in that same mindset, it's perpetuated. Absolutely. And, yeah. I, and I think, you know, it's hard. We can't control anybody else's actions. And I think it's just been hard to know how to best speak up how to best speak up when, when things are going on, when we're seeing these things. Mm-hmm. How do we best speak up? You know, Go ahead. Go ahead, Pat. Hello? Um, maybe it's not Pat Lee. Whoever else is coming in, go on. Uh, now, this is Nubby. I was going to say something, but I think somebody else wanted to finish up that so go ahead and finish up if you if you're adding on to that oh no that's fine let go right ahead okay well i was going to say i've i've been observing uh some some on the television with the demonstrations and the riots and everything and i guess from uh being on this call i just started looking you know from what kim has talked about like in marriages how uh, even with the, the church how we focused on the differences uh, between a, a man and a woman and, you know, how the, the, the communication class, as I said, men want respect and women want, you know, and all that, all that. And I'm looking at these riots and things, and I'm thinking all we are doing is focusing on our differences. And the more we yep. focus on it, the worse it gets. And, I, yep. and I'm thinking, where do we connect? Where do we connect? And, yeah. and I was trained as an ambassador for Charlotte, and I, I was going to be a part of the RNC this summer, um, which, of course, isn't going to be right now. But I was called this Saturday to go down on the street in the midst of those riots. And I did not go because I knew from what I was observing on television, even with some reporters who tried to just approach some of the demonstrators and ask them questions, they would become violent. And, you know, I taught in the projects of Wilmington, and, you know, you never hear this much from whites, but I uh, experienced horrendous, and I'm talking about horrendous reverse discrimination from black students and black administrators. And even one black administrator tried to get me to break the law. And, you know, I have, I'm on my third pacemaker, 
And a lot of it is because of the horrendous abuse and stress that I received during those times. And my kids, too. My son was beaten up first month of school. And I had taught them. I mean, they, they just didn't know what being racial was because I wasn't raised that way. And I didn't teach my kids that way. And we lived out west. And we were in integrated neighborhoods and in the military. And it, it's not like that. So they were, they were innocent victims. All of us were. But my whole point is because I knew that, I thought, I am not going out on those streets. Because even though we had some training, it was very superficial. You know, and it wasn't, it, you know, like Kim was teaching, we've got to find a way to connect and stop focusing on the, the diversity. Because, you know, I tell you now, even when I go to the grocery store, I'm careful. I'm looking around. You know, is somebody, you know what I mean? Which, yeah. And I hate that. But yeah. it's, it's, it's all this focusing on how we're different, different and what has yeah. happened, you know, to different races. And, you know, I've got a case, too. I could go out there and, and, and you know, I could have sued a lot of people and done a lot of things, but I chose not to do that and move on. But here we are. We, we keep hashing and rehashing and, and, and pointing out how different we are and what has been done to different people, you know, and it's just, I, you know, I'm not going to get involved in that until until uh, Kim teaches these people how to connect uh, both sides. I mean, there's... you mean until they listen? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give your name to uh, some of the leaders in Charlotte and uh, these other places to bring you in to do some some uh, training and teaching <laughs> to these people because I know I've had the experience and I know that. When they start getting violent, there's nothing I'm going to say, especially being yeah. blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be a bomb, a time bomb. Yeah. Sometimes I walk into a room, and when they saw me, and it's white woman, you're not telling me what to do. You're not my mama. And you yeah. know, I've had those experiences, so so I'm not I'm not going into that atmosphere. But you know, we can't. We've got to stop focusing on the differences. But I don't hear anybody saying that except Kim. Yeah. It, 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 so it really we... is a challenge. It, it's a challenge in the church. See, as I, you know, Satan uses deception, and deception is designed to divide and separate us from God and each other. And we are readily, the church, even the prophets, will readily admit how much deception is going on in this nation. But the next step is uh, dealing with the whole idea that the purpose of deception is to divide, separate, isolate, and arm people into what we now call identity politics. But what's not happening, the answer to the deception obviously is truth. And truth, yes, it does separate, but there is an element of truth that gathers, and we're not gathering. And you can only gather based on commonalities. And so we're not teaching. We're not in and, and, and commonalities. It, it's more than just teaching commonalities. We have to develop trust. And we develop trust one word and one action, one corresponding action at a time. And we do that on an individual level. But we're not teaching those skills even in the church. We're praying and, you know, we're, we're combating and we're standing against the spiritual forces but just like in so many other fights, the church has lost because we don't have a strategy on the ground to deal with what's happening. So all we're doing is giving people scripture and we're 
doing amazing intercessory prayers. But when we come out of our prayer closet, we must have a strategy. And that strategy can't just be let's all get in one place and move here and march here. That may be part of it. But the strategy has to affect the individual at the heart level because when a heart changes, it now has the capacity to change other hearts. And that we're not teaching. We're just not teaching it. Uh, You know, I would have never picked Amy as a business partner or somebody in ministry. We are just vastly, grossly different. I mean, come in and go. We are just different. We see the world differently. We think differently. But the common ground, one, is the love for Jesus Christ, the love of God, the love of his people, and a genuine godly love, covenantal love for each other that is holy, that is righteous. And, you know, even in this, people have spoken against. But what I'm saying to you is that it is because of the strength of the common ground that our relationship can handle the differences and disagreements. But it's because we started with common ground. We started with trust, one word, one action at a time. So now our relationship can handle disagreement at a level that many relationships probably wouldn't be able to handle. Mm -hmm. And so when we start just talking about our differences, whether it's marriage and men are this way, women are this way, no, we are a human race, and all of us have the need to, 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 to be heard and to be understood. Can we just agree on that? If we can just agree on the fact that I want to be heard and I want to be understood and it is painful to me when I'm not heard and when I'm misunderstood and it leads to behaviors, negative behaviors that affect everybody, not just myself. If we can just agree on that one fact, we will see what's happening in this nation right now. Black people do not feel heard or understood in such a way that it translates into an action that is proof just to, uh, through the justice system, through social proof, that they have, in fact, been heard. And that's what they're arguing for. It really isn't about race. We, it, 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 race is like the bread. It's the thing we all see. But at the heart of the matter, people who are black want to be heard understood and included and because his, not only historically but to this present day they do not feel heard understood or included we are seeing some of what is happening and satan is just capitalizing on it using one of its main instruments the media that's my two cents. I'm sure there are people that will disagree with it, but in a, in a, in a, I agree with you wholeheartedly. All that was to say I agree with you, Nubby. <laughs> well, let me say this, too. I always got along great with the black custodians because we connected on the spiritual level. And I never yeah. found a teacher that I could, a white teacher. And so yeah. we would connect, and they would come in singing in my room after, you know, after school singing gospel songs, you know, cleaning, you know. And we always connected, and they would just do, they'd do anything for me. And my last teaching job, uh, the black custodian was a guy, and he was also a bus driver. And so I took the kids on a lot of um, field trips. You know, we even went out on the ocean and, and 
uh, fishing and doing a biology thing and all this stuff. And he would always say to me, Miss TV, can I participate? Can I participate? And I would say, of course. I mean, he loved it. And it thrilled me that a fellow in his 40s, uh, 40s, I mean, we were testing brackish water where the seawater and the fresh water came together in this one place. And he just wanted to be a part of it. And we went out on a big a big two double-decker fishing boat out at uh, Carolina Beach, and they fished, and then they did, they, oh, we bought up octopus and stuff and nets and had a little biology lesson, but he was in there with the kids. He wanted to participate, and I tell you, that was just blessed my heart so much uh, to see him really just wanting to learn and wanting to be a part of it. So I would say that, you know, despite all the, the abuse that I took I, from, from the leadership, I I always really connected and got along great with the, with the, the custodians because most of them were, were, well, I think all of them were, that I knew were Christians and spirit-filled Christians, and, they, and we just always connected immediately, and they'd do anything yeah. for me, and the same for me with them. So, you know, that, that, was, that was the other side of it. So, what, what, uh, well, the thing is relationships, you know, everything in life is based on relationships. And relationships are based on our ability to connect. It's not based on our ability to divide. And so much of what is taught in the church is division. And I'm not saying it's on purpose, but relationships and the strength of a relationship is based on your ability to connect. In order to connect, we have to be able to identify. We have to be able to empathize. We have to be able to experience the joy and pain of another person realistically. And so much of that is missing. And so we, have, we, we don't have relationships because we haven't found the place of connection. And even in the church, we haven't found the true place of connection because the true place of connection for the Christian is the kingdom and the king. The Bible says that in him there is no male or female. So our true place of connection is embracing and seeking and going after those things that are, that are not based on gender, that are not based on race, that are not based on our economics. And so because we're not teaching that, we don't see that. So, yes, we got more questions, Amy? I don't want to stop. Let's see. Well, let's see. I don't have any more via text. Is if there's anyone else with a question, just again, just star six and we can hear you. I think some people. I think we're. I think that's I think it. some people are just listening. Really listening. <laughs> yeah. Right? No. Listening. I think this was good. Well, I think this was good. But I, I think it would help help if you are on social media. Just you know, go and and perhaps put a comment as to what you thought about this. Again, we will be on Facebook Live on Friday night, a Fearless Friday bonus edition with me, with John Natalie, Trey Douglas, Beth Sexton, and we're going to practice our listening skills. Hey, you guys will be ahead of the game on Friday night, uh, and whoever listens to this Zoom, you'll be ahead of the game on if you if you tune in on Friday night. Why? Because we are committed to listening and hearing because a relationship game changer, one of the skills that they possess is the ability to listen. And the ability to listen is predicated on self-control. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. 
you got, do you have anything else, Amy? No, I think this is really good. I think this All is right. good. And I, I just think we just need more spaces like this to be able to ask the difficult questions and listen and, and strategize yeah. um, on how to really be game changers, how to be relationship game changers. And, yeah. you know, that's what we're all wanting. That's what we're all wanting. We want to change and influence and impact the relationships that we're in that is God has given us. And we want to do it in, with integrity. We don't want to manipulate. We don't want to control people. We want to honor the freedom of others even in, in, in our marriages and relationships, even when that freedom doesn't choose us. And that's, that's real hard. It's real hard when you're granting somebody freedom and that freedom is not Cam? in favor of you. Yes. I'm sorry. One quick question. Um, so the, uh, the Facebook Live on Friday, um, mm-hmm. we, can, we can feel free to invite people to come on that. Please do. I'm going to put um, the event is up there. Tomorrow I'm going to share it as a post. Yes, we want as many people to come because we need a space that is not emotionally charged. And that's the space I want to create. And let's see, and just for um, future sake, today is May the 3rd. No, 20, June 3rd. June the 3rd. Yes. <laughs> see, I'm already behind. June 3rd. June 3rd, 2020. Yes. This is June third, twenty twenty. June third, twenty twenty. I'm going to purpose to uh, see if I can get uh, Steve Washington on the call. Uh, I would love it. Yeah, he's been going out, um, you know, I mean, peacefully, but um, I think hearing uh, just the dialogue and uh, and especially trying to relate it, not just being able to be a good listener, but just you know, facets of being brought back mm-hmm. to the word to the word of God, which I'm sure it will be. Yep. 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 For okay. sure. But you, for thank sure. you, Patty. You know, oh, oh, you know, Cam, I also say when I watch these things, I think every different size people are trying, but it's kinda like everybody's floundering because they don't yeah. really know how to do this. I mean I see people's hearts I see the goodness in what they're trying to do, you know, yeah. ones who are really trying. But yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, they're, they're just floundering. They, they don't no, – peop, you know, it's like the unknown. It's like being out mm-hmm. in the ocean. It really you know, is. And, you just, it, it, it really and that's why is. I'm saying you've got to get some people in there like him to give some instruction and to, um, to do some teaching. And, yeah. and and it's not just a one-time thing. See, we just they put us through just these classes real fast. Well, I'm glad I yeah. knew enough to know not not to do not to go down there because I'm not I, I'm not really trained enough to defuse right, right. someone and, who and I know the, hates me. Absolutely, and I don't and hate the, them, but but it's not. You know what I mean? It's it, it, yeah. it's and, and and there are people I know people with just wonderful hearts and they want to try so hard and they're trying. But it, they're, st- they're not connecting. And like you said, that connection thing. And to me, that's, that's, gonna be, that's the interesting thing. I mean, I Is think, it, like, you've got to have some leader, black leaders and black, white leaders come together on where do we connect? What, what, yeah. what do you need mm-hmm. to do to connect, to show? Because like you said, we're, you know, we've got different cultures. We're doing what we think would be right, but it's not connecting. <laughs> right, right. right. 
there's connecting and the other piece of that is examining our own hearts because I was talking to Amy the other day and I was saying, yes, we need to coalesce and we need to connect around things we have in common. Like we all, I think uh, on this call even a few weeks ago, I listed a number of feeling words and everybody could relate to those feeling words or maybe it was on Facebook Live, but everyone could relate to those feeling words. Everybody could relate to anger, pain, joy, happiness. And so those were connection points, even when we disagreed with the information someone was presenting. The other side of that is is people being willing, and 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 in this in both black and white, but um, perhaps and and I don't know numbers, I don't have statistics. That's somebody else's, you know, passion. But I I would say that there is the the car the car the corresponding issue with dealing with and, and establishing connections is the willingness to examine our own hearts. So we would have to be careful that, see, connecting and finding things we connect with is a feel-good. It, it should be because it's the thing that connects us, and it should feel good. We should like to connect around things we have in common. However, when we're using connection to avoid the pain or the prejudice in our own heart, it is kind of, um, it's not sincere, and it, and it lacks integrity. And so the, the caution that I have in connecting is, did you do your work? Did you do your homework? Did you look at your heart and what you're showing up with to connect? Because people who are black, I can tell you, sense can, can sniff out, phoniness a mile away. They've had to. They've had to. I, I went to an all-black university, Howard University. I learned things about my history that, the, that high school history books did not teach me. I also was politicized by the university and the stance that it took. So when I became a Christian, the very first thing God dealt with me was uh, the scripture that talks about from one blood every nation. And God made it clear that my brothers and sisters were black, white, yellow, red, that if they believed in Jesus Christ, that they were my brother and sister. And I ought to treat them as such. And First John talks about that explicitly, that if you hate your, that you know that you have passed from death to life because you love the brethren. And so God had to change my mind in college. I lost friends. I was, you know, we didn't have social media and all that stuff, but I lost friends, didn't hang out with people. People were like, what are happened to you? You've got, you know, sucked into some cult or something like that. But I remember God dealt with me on my position because I was black power, black this, and you're right, you owe me something and reparations and all of those kinds of things. And God said, you're a kingdom citizen. They don't owe you anything. You're a king and a priest. You're in a position mm -hmm. of giving. But it was a mm -hmm. mind shift for me. And so yeah. all I'm saying is that I had to deal with my own heart. And so we can't just promote the connection message and, and not deal with the heart because our, all of our mm. hearts in some areas are crooked. And we are a finished work. We are all that Jesus said we are. 
But I believe that sanctification is one in, is, is, is complete and it's finished upon the cross, but I also believe it's progressive, that we are progressively being conformed to the image of Christ. I remember my kids told me one time, Mommy, you know, my goal is, you know, our assignment is to deliver you one bondage at a time. And it was funny, but it was, it was a reality because I had to come out of darkness in my thinking in different areas. So I don't want to use, I am, you know that I'm all about connection. Let's find the connecting pieces. Relationships are based on our ability to connect. The strength of a relationship is based on the depth of our connection, and the depth of our connection is based on our willingness to be vulnerable with one another. I just said a mouthful. However, none of that dismisses or exonerates the work that God has called us to and that is to lay our hearts bare before him, bringing them to the light so that we can see those things in ourselves that don't line up with him. That is also the justice of God working in us. So, you know, there, there is two parts of this. Yes, we need to connect, but yes, we need to examine our hearts. Amy is looking at me right now like, oh, no. <laughs> no, that's good. I was just thinking, you know, with all going on and even in our relationship that's so strong, I think we connected or we have connected around um, what we have in common. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I, that I had not done um, that I realized was important was connecting around and acknowledging the pain um, from everything going on. And instead of just connecting around the one in Christ, which we did, mm-hmm. and we rallied around that yep. on Sunday, yep. Pentecost Sunday, we rallied around it. But we did not also at that time acknowledge everything really that was going on. But what was interesting, though, in, in our process of the journey is through over time, as we looked at movies or as we discussed movies or you heard my perspective on things, you said, and maybe you want to talk about, your position had changed on things as you began to see things through the lens of my eyes. Not that, my, not that what I saw was perfect right all the time, but it gave you a glimpse into uh, an America that you had not considered before. Yes into specifically systemic yeah. racism. Yeah. Systemic in the sense that even people participating in it weren't personally necessarily considering themselves right. racist. Right. But it was it's systemic. Yeah. And I did not realize what that meant, what that looked like. So definitely Or just looking at shows and yeah, looking like at, TV shows. Yeah, look or, look at how this person's portrayed and black typically in the you know, not you know, it's changed. I mean, there's been improvement in reality, and we need to acknowledge that. But uh, for a long time, blacks have the, the the least of us have been portrayed or always in positions of servitude or positions of the criminal aspect. And there's so much more to Black America than the criminal aspect or um, us being in servitude. You know, it's interesting to me. We have many multi uh, racial churches, and many of them, most of them are led, not all of them, but most of them are led by men who are white. But And so blacks will follow white leadership. 
but we don't have a similar situation where whites will follow black leadership. Right, and those are the kind of conversations yep. that you and I have had. Exactly. Because I thought, well, what's the problem? You know, if we're, <laughs> if we're all, if it's multicultural, what do you care that there's no one that looks like you up there? Right. Until I realized, well, I don't want to watch a movie where there's absolutely no one that looks like me in the movie. Wait, right? say that again. <laughs> <laughs> you right? don't want to watch a movie like that. But you're accustomed to watching movies where you're always there. Right. And so I hadn't realized, oh, okay, when you go to church and never see anybody and nobody in leadership <laughs> right. that looks like you, it matters. Right. But I didn't readily realize right. that that mattered. Right. Right. Until we were in relationship and talked about these things. Exactly. <laughs> these exactly. Well, we can go on and yeah. on. We need to bring <laughs> this probably, to a landing. There's probably nobody on the call. Actually, you, you, you and I need to, um, actually, you and I need to do a Zoom and have this conversation again because there's so much more that we have learned over our journey together and, um, you know, even the attacks and the assaults on the journey right. are, are worth talking and they are. all about. They because, are. you know, that's how we grow. And what I'm suggesting to you guys is this. It doesn't start with trying to change the world. It doesn't start with trying to change the nation. It starts with getting in a relationship with somebody that's different from you for the purpose of trying to understand them and support them and to be there for them you know, in, in good times and in bad times, and learn and see things through the lens of their eyes. I mean, we look go to the movies, and we'd have totally different perspectives from the movie. <laughs> that it was funny. We'd go to the movies, and then we'd go get something to eat, and we'd, just, we'd talk for hours about this movie and, and how it impacted Amy and how it impacted me and how they were grossly different. And so, yeah, that's where it starts. Find somebody. And become a friend. He would have friends must show himself friendly. Enlarge your circle. And then those 13 things I gave. Challenge yourself to be a good listener. Oh, my gosh. If we could just get a few relationship game changers, we might change some things in this nation. Well, we're going to say goodnight because, like I said, this could go on and on. Everybody on the call, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for hanging with us tonight. Um, so much appreciate you. As always, give us a shout out on Kim Moore Ministries on Facebook. If you're on social media or Twitter, give us a shout out. Um, you can help advance the message that we're one and we're not afraid to talk about the hurt and the pain and deal with the lives because we're all affected by what's happening in this nation. You can think you're not affected, but we're all affected by what's happening in this nation. And this is the hour that the church needs to rise. And we need to be able to talk to hearts and not heads. And so I pray in Jesus' name that we all learn how to talk to hearts and not heads. All right. Ditto. Amen. Ditto. Amen. Ditto. All right. Well, good night. Good night. Amen. Love you guys. Love you too. Bye. Thank you.